What you're about to hear is not fiction or some tall tale, or even worse, some overly played out scene from a movie that we've been inundated with most of our lives. It's easy to be a hero when you're an actor surrounded by props. In this story, there's none of that. No fake bullets, no fake blood. What you're about to hear is very real and nearly cost our guest his life by choosing the more noble and in his world, the only path that made sense. The famed clinical psychologist, Dr. Jordan Peterson, often talks at length about what he calls dangerous men. And I believe Ross fits that description perfectly. You'd soon agree that we're better off as a species with people like him. Russell Ruth began his military career in 2011 with option 40, as he described guaranteeing him the opportunity to attend infantry school, airborne school, and the Ranger Assessment and Selection Program, or more commonly known as RASP. RASP is a brutal two-month selection program for those eager to join the Army's premier Special Operations Raid Force. Being assigned to 1st Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment out of Savannah, Georgia, where he spent nearly seven years, most of which was on the line. In that time, he would go on to six combat deployments and serve in multiple roles, from rifleman to saw gunner, anti-tank team leader, and a fire team leader. However, never letting go of a childhood goal of one day being a pilot, he is now serving as an Army aviator flying the military's most advanced attack helicopter, the Age 64 Apache. In this life, the majority of us live as spectators. So in that rare moment that you meet someone who's willed himself into the arena, you put everything down and you listen. This is his story. Not your average operator. Not your average operator. Not your average operator. Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Operator with me, Paul Mellon McFadden. Sitting here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia, where the air is free and clear and the sun sets in the west over the Indian Ocean. There's happy days here. Got my boys, Mike and Rafa, going there, Mike. I'm doing good, man. It's uh, good to see your background there. It's uh, evening, so it's kind of a nice schedule. I think you're 12 hours ahead of me, which makes this a lot easier instead of doing lots of hard math with plus or minus Zulu time and you know, all this other stuff. So uh, it makes my life easy, but I'm That's glad that, uh, the scenery in the back there looks pretty nice. It looks like you're on the top of Nakatomi Tower or something. Well, the missus is watching Die Hard. Just happens to be on everybody's favorite Christmas film. And it is, it does that. We've got the maths down to a, a manageable level for you and me with the 12 hours either side. How about you, Raph? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm just sitting here enjoying your, uh, your dictation of the weather. Like, like Ron Burgundy. I love it. Every time I'm like, what's he going to talk about? Oh yeah. Let's go right into the weather. Man, it's I'm beautiful. Just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little gloomy out here where I'm at up in the mountains and the lush, oh lush. My God. <laughs> and, and, and we're joined by Russ. How are you going there, Russ? Hey, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing great. You know, working through some, some power issues, but uh, with the storm in Alabama, but <clears throat> We'll make yeah, it for the listeners, if there's any issues, Russ is uh, he's, he's got no Wi-Fi and he's fighting through on the on the friggin' mobile, so things are going good. And where yeah, are you right now, call. Russ? Just for the listeners to, to to fill them in, where are you? Where are you right now? Uh, I'm at uh, I'm in Enterprise, Alabama, stationed out at Fort Rucker here. There you go. And you have heard a little bit of the uh, the backstory there with the intro piece at the start. But if you're happy, could you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, you know a few career highlights up to this point? Yeah, so I um, joined the Army uh, 2011, 
I went straight through uh, infantry, uh, airborne school, and then ranger assessment selection program. Uh, so straight through all the training into state, and then I was assigned to 1st Ranger Battalion in Savannah, Georgia at Hunter Army Airfield, uh, where I was at for, um, oh, power just got turned um, <clears throat> where I was at for uh, nine years-ish. Uh, I was in, uh, I worked my way up through a rifleman, grenadier, saw a gunner, uh, a, a goose gun team leader, and then I was a fire team leader, um, all in the same platoon. Uh, did a couple combat deployments with them, had a great time. Uh, about that time, I was, I was looking at picking up a squad. I decided to uh, submit my flight packet. Uh, to become a warrant officer and go through uh, aviation training, helicopter pilot, uh, which is where I'm currently at now at Fort Rucker, uh, doing the flight training stuff. I just uh, just selected for Apaches, and I'm, I'm beginning that training on Monday, actually, so excited. Wow. Some CV there, man. So nine years of Ranger, and how many combat tours did you have? Uh, I did six deployments, yeah. They were... Which sounds like a lot, but you know, they're short runs. So, yeah, yeah, they're easy. Just walking the park. And you know, I mean, we've got non commissioned officers, even worse than them is real officers. And the only thing worse than a real officer is a warrant officer, right? <laughs> Army pilot warrant officers. I've only, I've only really know one, and he's tarred the whole brand for me. I just want you to know if you, if only I met you before I met Tio Raff, probably everything would be all right. So is it a big step down to become a warrant officer? <laughs> absolutely. Don't let them. It absolutely is, man. We're, we're those asshats that keep our hands in our pockets and walk on the grass and deliberately do in front of a sergeant major. And so we live um, off. Unblouse your pants. Yeah. So one of the things I, I've noticed about working with Army warrant officers is, <clears throat> you know, this, uh, this social distancing thing is nothing new. So when, when there's, when there's, you know, they have quarters or like, you know, whatever they got and the warrants just aren't there. It's just like, you know, Hey, we have social distance and like, we've been doing this for years. Like, why is this a thing now? You know, Oh, there's a pandemic. Uh, no changes, no changes. So, you know, it's, it's kind of the, it's the unwritten rule of the warrant officer community. Right. Right. Raph. I never saw you at meetings. Because <laughs> meetings are waste of time. That's right. There you go. That's a fact. <laughs> and, and Russ, last week we had on uh, one of my mates. Uh, he was an Australian Hornet uh, pilot, but before that he was a jazz trumpet player, which a pretty sort of diverse skill set. Like he played jazz trumpet for ten years professionally, and then decided to become a, a fighter pilot, and you know, and then a JTAC, and just a very interesting guy. Your skill set obviously is quite broad here, and you're partway through your flight school. So how far in a flight school are you now? Um. So I just finished up Common Core. I was in the, the Lakotas. So I did, you know, all the basic flight stuff and then basic warfighter skills. Um, now I'm just, I haven't, actually the first time I even like looked at an Apache was, uh, was yesterday and uh, they told us not to touch it. That's about how far <laughs> I am in high school. Nine times out of 10, you can recognize an Apache. That's good. <laughs> And by the way, the uh, the street name is Apache. So, uh, <laughs> okay. we got right 
And so where, where are you from originally, Russ? Um, originally from Pensacola, Florida. Pensacola. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to just throw this out, but I have visited and my brother-in-law referred to it by a bit of a, a, a name that was a bit mean. I don't want to offend anyone, but he did use a redneck Riviera as a term. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I say, I say Pensacola, but I'm actually a little north of Pensacola and can't tell it. So it's definitely uh, L.A. over there. Uh, lower alabama we had a great time when we visited though like beautiful beaches and i saw the hornets flying overhead from pensacola so i was a happy it was happy days for me oh yeah yeah the blue angels are out of the out of Pensacola. it's pretty cool yeah the beaches are nice so you're actually not very far from home then huh i mean going through flight school you're just like a a quick a quick trip down yeah yeah two two hour two hour drive i got my my surfboard i'll just on the weekend, I'll just throw it on the truck and head down there. Yeah, right on, man. That's a good time. So how, for you. how much flight school have you still got left in front of you? Like, how many hours have you got now? What sort of number of hours you guys have when you graduate? How many months you got um, left? So I guess um, I got about 115 hours, uh, give or take, because uh, well, I suppose, I think I'm supposed to have 116, but, like, I, I checked early on a couple of check rides and got – you know, weather days and stuff, but, um, I got about 24 weeks left of actual training. Um, and we'll see like actually how long that, it, it, it kind of, it depends because of weather, uh, how you have to get a certain amount of time flying. So. Yeah. And yeah, nice, mate. I, I initially started in the Australian army many, many years ago. I'm quite a bit older than you. And then I, then I transitioned through the Australian air force and, uh, I'm still flying. So, backstory for you there. I mean, this, the, the, the incident that probably people will have seen, I think, from the link in the show notes is uh, that there was a, a sunny morning we went out for breakfast or brunch recently. And, you know, you, you, you ran into a, a pretty serious incident. Are you happy to just fill us in on a few details there, the stuff that you're happy to talk about? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad, glad to talk about it. Um. <clears throat> So it happened uh, two years ago, uh, March, March 24th and uh, 2019. It was uh, oh, 11, I think 1130. Um, and I was going out to brunch with uh, a couple of friends in Savannah. Uh, and this isn't downtown. It was like at, a, at one of those uh, little places that you'd see connected to uh, like a Publix, like on the side, you know, uh, outside of a uh, suburb and i uh we were sitting there's probably like 15 people there i'd been there for maybe 30 minutes just got my food and uh i hear a scream in the back which it sounded like like that was like that's that's not like someone just like saw a spider it was like a terrifying scream you know uh um so i guess one of the, uh, the the person working the bar went to go check it out and she uh, saw two, which, which I didn't see this, but she saw two guys pinning at a booth and then she just took off running and went off the, excuse me, tried to go out the side door. And I saw her screaming or uh, running for the, for the door. And she tripped and like uh, the look on her face was, was terror. She was like frozen in shock and, 
um, I motioned for her, like I said, get up and get out the door, go and like motion for her to get out. And that's when I look towards the back and I see a guy um, about 5'10 uh, with a sawed off shotgun and a mask on. Uh, he's kind of, he's kind of Elmer thudding it, like not look like he never even held a gun before. I was like, oh, this guy. And he says, this is a robbery. Like, uh, like, you know, he saw it in movies or something. And uh, <clears throat> I was like, I was like, I'm about to knock this. I'm about to knock this dude out. All right. And so I motioned for the guy that's sitting next to me. Uh, I didn't know him. I was just like, Hey, get behind me, get outside, go. And then, cause everyone was kind of frozen. Um, he went, as he goes into the kitchen, I, like kind of sh- push them to get out, like, go get out the door. Uh, and then I go and like check out the kitchen and I pie around and I, I pie off the door, look through the little window and I see him like posted up in the doorway, um, of the office, uh, to where I assumed he was, um, holding up the owner for the safe. And, uh, I just kind of took that opportunity to, to clean him up. I went, uh, struck him in the side of the face. Uh, instantly knocked him out and I hit him a couple of times to, uh, uh, as he fell to the ground and uh, got the shotgun away and um, you know just continued to like eliminate the students uh, as a threat uh, which unfortunately I got target focused didn't realize there was a second guy um, and I kind of noticed out of the corner of my eye he had come out of that uh, room and I went to pick the guy up off the ground I kind of shield myself and turned and as I did that the gun went off and it was like so he he fired like it looked like a Beretta I think nine millimeter and it was almost like when your adrenaline starts pumping and and, and time almost stops like I remember looking at the gun the barrel of the gun seeing the smoke slowly drift out of it look at him uh in the eyes like dead in the eyes as he looks down at my chest and then back into my eyes and it, it felt like 10 minutes we were staring at each other but you know it was, it was just a split second and at that moment i was like i knew I, I, i'd been shot like there's no way he didn't shoot me he was you know the the gun was two feet from my my chest um so at that point he just he goes for his buddy that's on the ground uh, and they tries to pick him up. The store owner or the, the restaurant owner shuts herself in the room, and they run out the back. And I take off out of the kitchen, across the uh, the dining area, out the side door, jump over the fence, uh, and try to get just trying to put stuff in between me and him, so I don't get shot in the back or something. Uh, and at that point, I'm like kind of getting around the cars where everyone else is hiding, and I was like kind of hunched over. And uh, I can hear them screaming and, and kind of already on the phone with the police and, and 911. And they're like, oh, please tell me you're not shot. Tell me you're not shot. And um, I look down at my hand. It's just covered in blood. And I'm hunched over. I'm like, ah, uh, yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm shot. I got a, a collapsed lung. Put your hand right here. And I kind of let myself to the ground. Um, and at that point, I kind of, kind of stopped being able to breathe. My, uh, my chest was feeling, filling up with blood. Uh, so... Uh, started kind of going into shock pretty quick, um, which is crazy because, you know, being in the military and, and Ranger Battalion, like you get all this trauma, uh, like first responder training. 
so you know the lethal triad right you know you know all the symptoms but it's 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 really crazy like whenever you're having those symptoms and you know what's going on you can't stop it and it happens so fast like like i was i was getting cold i was losing blood like i knew i was going into shock um but I guess maybe the maybe that training like had there's a calmness about me where I was like I'll be fine like just stay calm, um, you know. And I and luckily I had friends or, or people there that one was a, she was a, a nurse and then uh, another guy was a retired Navy who just they they kind of like they monitored me kept rotating me to kind of open up my lungs where the blood was filling and like they did a pretty good job. Um, you know, I had the other my friends there just screaming in my face which didn't help anything <laughs> uh, the only thing i could think of was like i was like as i was like laying there getting real cold feeling tired uh i was like just please stop screaming in my face <laughs> this is helping this is helping <laughs> oh my god no i like stop <laughs> fucking hell ross is this some story man but uh, yeah, so I, um, you know, it probably took about 25 minutes for the ambulance to get there. I went unconscious probably 10 minutes in, uh, in and out. And then they, I uh, kind of came back to as they loaded me in and put oxygen on. And um, as I loaded into the back of the ambulance, uh, <clears throat> my friend that was working the bar there, she, um, she was like trying to get on the ambulance. She went, she had to ride with me. And the, uh, uh, um, the uh, EMT ambulance, uh, they were like, like, no, you can't get on, you can't get on. She's like, no, he's my husband. And I specifically remember sitting up and like, no, 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 she's not. <laughs> and then laying back down. <laughs> like, no hell, no, no way to hell. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then uh, another like I was, as I was laying there, kind of like she took my, they had my shirt off already, but they had to, you know, get through the whole blood sweep. So they got to check out all your extremities. And I, and I couldn't talk. So I was like, I was like, oh my God, there's only one blunt bullet shot. Please do not. And I could feel the shears going down my, like cutting my belt, sliding down my pants. And I'm like, God dang it. One. Okay. These are my favorite pants and they're cutting my freaking pants off. And then two, it was a little chilly out. I was a little worried, you know, uh, <laughs> I, was just, I was like please please just put a blanket over me but um no it was yeah yeah it was pretty crazy story yeah ross when when you say you're out for you've gone out for brunch for just a pint of picture for, i mean honestly this is some fucking story man who who were you at for brunch with? Was this a group of civilian, a couple of mates? Some yeah. Um, so I was supposed to meet my roommate there. He was he was in the army um, as well. He had he slept in because you know uh, it was a Sunday, so he's sleeping in. Yeah. Um, I went with um, my other two, like uh, a couple. And she was working in the bar and he went, to, her husband went back to go uh, change. He was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go change. I'll, I'll come back. So he left and that's whenever it happened. He left. So I was there with two friends and meeting up with other people. I'm supposed to go to a barbecue afterwards. And was it a crowded sort of a scene where there were a lot of civilians there? Yeah. 15, 15 people were there. Yeah. And 
Can you just, for the listeners, can you just paint that lethal uh, triangle? Just those three elements you were talking about. Oh, yeah. So you got um, the lethal triad. So I oh, know you're putting me on the spot. Uh, There's a blood loss and shock. Blood, and- yeah, blood loss, shock. And then uh, what was it? Uh, temperature, right? So so you're losing, you're losing blood, losing core temperature, and then you're not able to coagulate. So just you can keep bleeding. So you were recognizing these were occurring to you and you had, uh, sounds like a Navy veteran and you're an, an, another person with you administering first aid that you were directing them through. Yeah. So as I got down, I was like, Hey, I've, I've collapsed lung. Um, you know, put your pressure, put pressure right here. And, uh, they just kind of held pressure over, over the wound. And he, uh, one had my front and the other one had my back because, because, the bullet went in through my side and it missed all my ribs luckily and it went in between my ribs through the front and back and missed my spine by a millimeter i don't i don't understand how i'm alive actually like i should be paralyzed i should have bled out inside the restaurant but luckily i didn't um and they just kind of held pressure on both the the wounds and um kind of just kind of rotated me as as until I, w- I was able to breathe and and uh, you know they 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 would stick us a unilateral fault rise rise and fall to the chest. So um, as I stopped having that, they'd rotate me and it'd shift. I guess it'd shift the blood around to where like it would be able to open up my lung a little bit for me to breathe. Um, I think uh, I think at one point it just it got to where like the blood loss was too much and I went I you know going to shock. Yeah. Which which is where they had to do uh, emergency. Um, lung resection to stop the bleeding they they, they put two chest, chest tubes in the drain and uh, it wasn't enough they had to open me up pull the lung out uh cut part of it away sew it up and to stop the bleeding so the recovery was awesome for that hey russ have you um prior to this incident have you because you had six deployments have you been exposed to trauma before I meaning have you seen people you know get hurt like physically with wounds and that sort of thing have you or or is this kind of the the closest you've ever been to this severe of a trauma um i mean i've done training with simulated trauma i've had personally like none of my friends as we gone out like thank thank god like none of us has ever been hit or any trauma we've had uh guys that we um, like right. uh, you know, our counterparts have been injured, but I, I didn't have to deal with that because we had medics on the ground. Like I never really had to had to do it myself. Now, but I mean, but you've been close to it, meaning like so you've had people in the unit or except counterparts that you were working with um, that were injured, and you. So it, I guess what I'm alluding to is you've been around trauma before. This wasn't like the first time. I'm just uh, I'm trying- yeah, I guess yeah. Because I think people are probably going to be amazed at how calm, because even you telling us that part, I can actually picture you being pretty calm. Although I think some of it is part of your own nature. Um, but also mm-hmm. I think just pays tribute to some of the training that you received and just the environment that, you know, you've been around. Yeah, um, I think it does. I think just being exposed to like very high stress situations. I remember the very first time, um, you know, I was in Salerno in 2012 when they uh, attacked with a V-bid. That was probably my first time being in contact. And 
I was, we were sleeping because I hit midday. You know, we sleep during the day, and uh, it, it lifts the roof off off the building, blows in all the doors and windows. And I remember like jumping down because I I'm the new the new private, and I'm sleeping on top of someone's room, basically. You know, three <laughs> in, a, in a little hidey hole, and I jumped down <clears throat> and just kind of froze for a second, which I was like. We're being attacked. Like either, like a mortar just land on my roof, whatever. Like, and then I, like, that was the first time I was in contact. And then uh, every time after that, it was like, like there was no freezing for a second. It was like time slowed down, and like just being put in those situations, like time slows down, and you're able to like process and think and have these steps and like process it yourself. So like for a normal person that isn't in that, I think they would panic. I don't, you know. Um, yeah like they wouldn't be able to process the the situation as as well ross i have a question so as raf alluded to you know multiple deployments and having that you know medical training first aid training you know all the stuff that you had and then you get into this situation like i don't think i think every guy in the soft community has thought of like the worst case scenario like if I'm going out to, to lunch today, am I going to get to pull my pistol? And like, if this happens, if this happens, like, yeah. dude, you check the box for one. Okay. So <laughs> like, there's lots of guys probably listening be like, dude, I've been waiting for that. You know, I, I know I'm being funny, but going yeah. into it for serious though, like you never know what to expect. And you kind of alluded to like you froze in Afghanistan at that, for that minute when that V bed went off, were you proud of yourself for how you went through this situation like looking back on it now like in the moment like you said everything slows down and there, there's stuff happening that like the training takes over and everything else but now looking at it did you kind of uh, evolve into somebody that you really wanted to be and react the way you wanted to um good question uh yeah i guess yeah i mean i i am glad that uh i didn't freeze and just let a dude uh put a shotgun on my face and not doing like i don't know um well i mean I I'll, I'll answer that for you you should be because i think the natural instinct is to run away i listen yeah. if if round if you're not if and you didn't have a weapon on you, correct? I mean, you weren't concealed carrying or anything like that, right? No, and I, uh, yeah, I get a lot of shit for that too. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I was going to do that offline. I didn't want to do it publicly. Why were you strapped? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just, it just goes to show, man, that, uh, you know, it's good to know that there's people willing to stand um, and push back against the chaos and the noise, man. And you did it, un, you know, unarmed with with a with an idiot who had a shotgun. But like you said, I know you did a quick assessment. You're like, I can totally take this idiot on. And so I'm sure that gave you some of the courage. But uh, anyways, a more important question: When the EMT was about to cut your your pants and show your dick root, were you, did you like stop and look at him and be like, "Look, I'm a grower, not a shower." <laughs> I was thinking it, and but uh, go back you unconscious. Know. I was, thinking, I was like either either say something or act like it's not happening yeah. <laughs> okay now now it's starting to make sense all right a, a, a bartender or waitress trying to get in hey this is my guy no no not now's not the right time you know it's <laughs> puzzle pieces are coming in i get it you're like hey, hey, you're like, like some, 
there's a like a lot of banter, and, and honestly, it's it's good to think and have that introspective question from Ralph, right? And or from uh, I should say from Mike. But from what I'm I'm hearing here, and you know, I've read the account and just talking to you, you were there on your own with your your mates, uh, Mrs. His his ducked out to get changed or whatnot. So you're there with her on, on your own. You've gotten her out, the waitress out, and several other people out, and then you've moved towards contact. Is that a sort of a fair summary at this stage? Like you've um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say like I like hey, like I escorted them out. I just kind of like motioned them to move out the door and kind of like it's like hey, get out of here, go. Yeah, um, but people are gonna freeze, right? Like that's gonna be everyone's instinct. Yeah, I think that's so important in that little moment that you're able to that you're able to remain calm and be able to communicate, uh, not just to yourself but to other people because. You know, c- civilian life and, and society is completely different from the military and the way special operations guys train. I mean, it's like different ends of the spectrum, right? Like the common person's level of stress is is very minimal to like what SOF is exposed, exposed to. So in that moment, I could almost see it as you were telling it of just people freezing and just being like, oh my God, what do I do? I need direction. Like, what are, where are we going? And just that little like, get out is it save lives like it's crazy man but it's like something so simple and being able to communicate in that moment of of intense stress and fear is just like dude that saves lives by taking action the ability to take action just just saying a word let alone taking the dude down with a shotgun but uh that's dude that's awesome like great job yeah uh, uh, I've never actually looked at it from that angle, so I appreciate that. Uh, kind of, I don't like. I don't, I don't like. You make me feel uncomfortable. What kind? What kind of maniac then? Once you got the, you know, the women and children to safety, then goes, I'm fucking going into that kitchen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. I guess. I guess I'm a maniac. I don't know. So how much distance did you have to close from where you were sitting and when you got everyone to safety to get to, to were they back in the kitchen area? Were they in a, like a manager's room you sort of described? Was there, a, you had to close some distance towards them? Um, so I guess the kitchen, probably about mm, 10, meters. 10 meters. So he goes in about, about 10 meters and then five meters inside the door. And it was like one of the, it wasn't like with a with a handle. It was like one of those swinging doors that someone with a trach a foot could push open. You know, yeah, and it had a yeah, little yeah. window. So like I was able to just kind of slowly push that door open and and close the distance without him hearing me. Fucking hell! Like there's not many people I don't think who would move into contact like that without a, a firearm or a weapon of some kind, Russ. So here. This guy had taken the manager or a like a, a, a wait staff or someone into that back area. Yes. Yeah. So you knew that there was still a person at risk in that situation with, you know, yeah. obviously a firearm. If someone's willing to do a an armed robbery like that, obviously, you know, it's a high threat environment for that wait staff. Yeah. They. Yeah. He, I mean, the screaming had he had the gun up up to her it was definitely like you know her her life was definitely at, at, at risk there um 
And, you know, my, it, the thing is, like, it, it could have gone either way. Like, it, me going and attacking could have made something happen, happen worse. Or or I could have saved her life. I don't, you know, you don't really know. Uh, I usually try not to play what ifs in, these, in, this, in this game, you know. Hey, hey Russ. Doing that action, that making making entry into that kitchen area and, and making the decision, was that Russell Ruth the person or was that Russell Ruth the ranger? Um, you know, I think uh, is, I don't know if there's like a, a difference, you know, like I don't what like do you just turn turn off? Your your training, I don't know. No, I use a long time. Yeah, I I asked that because uh, not not this situation, but you know, a, a couple of my own teammates and different stuff. They've been in extraordinary situations, like you have been, and your teammates and everything. And uh, you know, some of them get into talking about it, and they're just like, "Man, I don't know if I would have done that ten years ago. I don't know if I mm. could have done that ten years ago." And just really getting into it is just like, is this some, is this something a part of who I am? And, you know, the Rangers or whatever community just brought it out and allowed me to be this, or was I not this? And they instilled those values and, you know, that, that sense of responsibility and purpose and drive into me, you know, it's, it's such a good, it's like a tipping scale, like a balance thing. And it's just like, ah, you could go one way and then you can go the other way, but I think it's, at least for me, I think it's a calling for people like us where you're attracted to that job because of that. You know, it's like, yeah, I can go here and right. let this stuff out. That's what I yeah, think. So, yeah, I, I don't think I would have, I would be have made it to the stage in my career if I didn't have that mentality. I think you, you definitely have to have that mentality to get through the training and the deployments and, and to work your way through and, and up yeah yeah you definitely have yeah you got to be a certain kind of person i guess to to get through it yeah, yeah i they, think they're gonna attract certain characteristics right like they're gonna bring certain people in and they're only going to select those people and then they're going to develop those attributes and instill extra training and additional values on top of that but that bedrock you know it's probably always you know mike and and russ and then you're had a whole lot of additional stuff and development that brought that stuff out. Russ, I have a question. So, because uh, I've actually, you and I have spoken before, and I just want these guys to hear that part too. So, once you were in the hospital and you came to, what was that recovery like? Oh, uh, yeah. So, <clears throat> I woke up with the, the tubes down my throat. Um, and my first thought is like, you know, dude, this sucks. Get this shit out of my throat. Um, I, I need to talk. And I wanted to, I was like, my first thought was like trying to sign like, Hey, what's going on? And people are just like, Oh, what's wrong? My dad's like, Oh, does your feet itch? Or like, Oh, your feet itch. And he's like scratching the bottom of my feet. <laughs> I'm like freaking out. He's tickling my feet and you can hear the monitor like, beep, 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 beep. and I'm like, Oh, stop. And my sister's like, Oh my God, stop his legs itch. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, family. Uh, <laughs> like, like, oh my, why? Why are you scratching? Like, why would you scratch my feet? Uh, 
but no, I was like, finally, I was like, I got them to give me a notepad so I could start writing down questions. And, and I still have the notepad. It's so funny to see because my handwriting. So it's so God awful, but I was, as I wrote down, the, uh, I wish I had uh, thought of something else. Uh, when my buddy was like, it's like, man, that'd have been hilarious. If everyone's like, Oh, what does he have to say? What does he have to say? And I'm like, I sit there for like five minutes, just at this notepad. And I finally turn around. It's just a, it's just a dick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I know we're making light of it, Russ, but I'm assuming that the the rehab and the recovery is pretty serious, right? Like I'm I'm I'm, I'm assuming your injuries here, being sent shot in the center of uh, center of mass, got to be pretty significant rehab. You've you've just missed your spine. What was that like? Um, oh man, it was painful uh, waking up, not being able to breathe. Like, and I tell you, not being able to take a full breath or or eat food hurt. Um, and then getting out of surgery and eat, and the first time I was able to eat food, I immediately got the hiccups and just oh my gosh, the worst pain. Uh, I've ever felt just feeling those like the lung spread with I just freshly stitched up and feeling like it was ripping my lung every time. I don't know. It was <sighs> that sucked. And then just the frustration of of not being able to breathe or walk, right? Um with, like any injury, it's just frustrating, I think. Um, yeah. but I was I got out of there after four days and um um you know immediately drank drank a beer when i got home i was like thankfully i got out of there I went. so you went home after four days uh day four yeah <laughs> uh, it was funny because i was like i was so ready to get out of there it's like pull this freaking chest tube out and i was like as they pulled they pulled the last chest tube out i was like all right give me my clothes i'm getting out of here i um she like left i like took all my ivs out she came back she's like oh my god you took all I was like what i'm not gonna wait for you to do it it's taking too long and um she's like all right i'll be right back i'll get your wheelchair it's like if you think you're gonna i'm not gonna walk out of here you're you're crazy and uh so i had like like 10 nurses walking with me uh out of the out of the building and then i was like acting all cool like it didn't hurt and then i got to the car and like (laughs) (laughs) Were, were any of the uh were any of the nurses claiming to be your wife uh i think they were you know (laughs) <laughs> who so yeah, they're who, putting feelers who out claiming, who was the woman who's claiming to be a wife for us <laughs> oh it was just it was it was my friend she just was trying to yeah. say whatever she could get it to, to ride with me her husband was our our friend that wasn't there at the time who went to leave yeah yeah you're like i might have been shot but i'm not going to get in this shit with my mate you're definitely not <laughs> <laughs> there are some like, no way. <laughs> yeah. in the chest and i bullet in the chest so Russ, after after you got out, you had a beer, had some of that, you know, magical magical medical properties in it. You know, you you start healing and you get back to rehab. I'm sure there was like physical training, a strengthening your lungs, and getting your body back to where you're supposed to be. What what? So you're still in the, you're still in the army. What kept you What kept you going, man? Like that that could end someone's career mentally, physically, you know, whatever. Like 
what kept you going and where are you going? Uh, what kept me going is uh, I had goals. I had life goals that I wanted to meet. Um, I wanted to be a pilot. And I was, you know. Did, did you hear that, Mike? Yeah, I heard it, Raph. Okay, I'm, good. I'm, I'm talking to Russ. Okay, I'm going to no. unmute. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. He likes to do that. Continue. You wanted to be a, a good pilot? Yeah, did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> you hear that rap yeah so you wanted to be a good yeah. pilot continue yeah i wanted to you know i wanted to fly and um and at to this point i was like even before getting shot i still had a lot of stuff i had to like i had two years to get my packet approved because of waivers and medical and stuff even with other stuff i had going on and then to wake up i think the first thing i asked after when i could speak was like flight school can i go so <laughs> um and and just like i was like i need to recover i need to get this done because i'm supposed to go to flight school in like three months i gotta go which obviously i couldn't go in three months so i had to wait a year um but um i did a lot of recovery with um the warrior games so that was a really cool experience i got to um they let me be a part of um there was they got me in touch with a lot of good uh, healthcare providers that, and like still that community everyone just strives to like hey how are you doing keep going keep pushing yourself like keep getting better that's just like that community of people is is fantastic and that's what you really need support support from your friends and family to help you also keep going like there was definitely times where without friends and family that I I could have just given up and just laid around in bed Russ, it's such a such a good point you're making around having goals when things are shit and in a, in a time of trial. For the people who are, are, are regular listeners, they would have heard a story about uh, our mate Kenny G, who got stitched up with an AK by a Taliban guy in Afghan many years ago and took three rounds and, and he rehabbed. And he had some really good points around the rehab itself. These organizations you just said, then these good ones that really made a difference for you. Happy to just like name a few names. We could put links in show notes for people who might be uh, looking for where, where are the ones that made the where are the ones that made the benefit. You know what I mean? Like the ones that had a and you might be able to hear the bean in the background there from uh, the Espinosa household. But which organizations were the ones that made a difference for you, Russ, in that rehab story? Um. So really, it's 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 the community from the Warrior Games. Everyone in that um, on that team, like every, you, you get a part of, and you see, you're not the only one going through this. And they provide, they just provide a great support group. Like being able to talk with other people, like other people that are kind of going through similar situations, and. And knowing that you could go to any one of them at any time when you feel like like what you're doing, like you're not getting any better, if you're not feeling mentally well, like you, all these people have gone through it and it's just a, it's a support channel. I think that's one of the most powerful things, you know, I've experienced. I've never been wounded physically or anything, but the mental side of it, I know that I felt like I was kind of by myself at the first part i was like man i'm the only one that's going to have to handle this and go through it and you know one of the things i was told 
was, hey, I know how bad you feel right now, but there's been guys in here in your position that are 10 times worse. And was were there, I imagine there were guys in the Warrior games that were, you know, missing limbs and way worse than you were. And you see these guys smiling and just driving through and being an inspiration. Is, is that kind of the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it got to the point I was like, it was almost like, um, man, I, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to even be here with these guys. <laughs> it's like, but um, it was very, it was very inspirational to see. And um, yeah, definitely will always cherish that, that moment, the moments I had there uh, in the Warrior Games, where it's actually where I met my fiance as well down there. So got to give credit to that. And, and this is your real fiance? Like it's not a person claiming, <laughs> claiming anything? Like <laughs> She's, she claims a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's great, man. You know, listening to the story, Russ, I just wanted to, I just, you know, we all asked the question like, man, why, why didn't it happen this way? Why did, you know, you mentioned that this bullet went through point blank pretty much and missed your spine by a millimeter and it could have been, Hey, you're paralyzed or worse. And I don't think me personally, I don't take things for chance or granted anymore. I think that there's such purpose with the details in our life and the things that happen or don't happen are very, they're very structured, but they're not to our structure. And, you know, personally, I believe that like God has a, a special plan for you. And just, just listening to this, man, like you've, you've led an incredible career already. I mean, you could punch out dude and, and be, you know, a hundred percent. Okay. I could already tell, but you, you keep driving and that that's an inspiration. And I, you know, going back to our purpose in life, dude, you sharing these things and being able to, uh, you, to me, are this inspirational person that can show that you can overcome adversity yet again uh, with a different part of life. And, you know, maybe some of our teammates or other people in the military or any walks of life really can listen to this and know that things aren't as bad as they could be sometimes and that you could still lean on other people to, to, to be where we want to go and keep driving and, and achieve those goals, man. And I think that millimeter is a mile of life. And I think you're, you're serving your purpose, man. And I think that's why it happened the way it did. I, I think it, that's not by chance. And I just wanted to share that with you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, after, you know, after I was like, man, there's gotta be a reason I'm still here. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I haven't figured it out where I'm still driving. I don't know. There's a reason for everything. That's what I feel. So I, I don't think we ever, I don't think there's ever going to be a phone call and it's like, Hey, this is the reason, man, just let you know. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. You know, like, got, like nobody's going to call and just tell you, but I think the journey of being able to figure it out and moving forward with the values that you've demonstrated, that is the purpose is to keep carrying on and spreading that message of, of selflessness and passion and recovery and adversity, you know, like all that stuff, man, that is the purpose is to keep continuing on and, and showing and doing what you're doing. Like it's never going to be a definitive check in the box. It's, it's, it's the journey of life and to keep doing what you're doing, man. 
you know, that's, that's the gift. That's the, that's the purpose. I've got a question for you, Ross. Have you ever seen or met the woman that you rescued again? The one who was uh, up criminals. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, she sends me a Christmas card every year. Um, yeah. Um, the restaurant that happened, I ended up closing down, but I think as soon as I left, I didn't, I stopped there before I went home, just go kind of look at where everything happened, where it went down. I wanted to see like where the bullet went and everything. Um, and I would go there and, and see her and, and her husband, who was also the other owner, you know, I'd, and I talked to them still. Yeah. I talked to everyone that from that day, like a lot of us became friends after that and we'd meet up. So anytime I go back into Savannah, you know, I, I give them all a shout and like, Hey, you want to meet up? We'll, we'll go meet up for lunch or something. <laughs> They're like, not with you, dude. We're not going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with you. We were Lunch is like, no, no I'm like, no, I'm I'm, but I'll, I'll be like, yeah, I'm carrying this time. It'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say as well, it's really good for our listeners. We have uh, a mix of current serving veterans and people who are affiliated and then non-affiliated, just wider community. For people to hear, Russ, that you went through this pretty amazing uh, encounter. You had your own training and your experience that kicked in and you're able to really affect change and really help people and go in there and engage some people. And who knows what you prevented, right? Like who knows what was going to happen yeah. in the back room, right? Like we don't know, but no one died. And, and you did what you did. You went through the rehab. And the key thing that I want, I want to highlight to people is that you really had a hard time in the mental aspect of the rehab and that there were people that you reached out to and it was that shared community that you found in the Warrior Games that might be something that other people really get a benefit from hearing your story, which could just be this amazing guy, I could never be like that, but you had a hard time in that rehab and that people can see it was hard for you, their hard story, you know, that there's a pathway for them too. Would you say yeah. that that? Yeah, there's, there is a time like where I, I felt like I, I was like I, the only one, you know, um, and I think what was important for me is like, I'm not the only one who's going through something like this. Um, and then, and just finding someone to talk to, I think is super important. Um, if you, for any trauma, really, like, being able to have which i think the army's um doing a lot better nowadays of like allowing people to like go and talk to somebody for therapy i think it's huge like the army's it used to be a kind of like a like like a negative thing to have to go and talk to a therapist and that was it just like like it's terrible like you're like oh you're you're thinking about like i can't do my career now because i had to go talk to somebody or or, or you're like you're gonna lose uh appearance the army's gone away from that, I think now. And it's been like they're like, hey, no, like this is a good thing. This is a development thing that it, it shouldn't be looked down upon. And um, so I'm glad that that I'm able to go out and do that. And like other people, and I didn't know that. Like I had to actually go and see and and, and go through this and talk to other people. Like, hey, no, this is actually a good thing. You can go and talk to people. There's therapists that you can go to. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Is like it's not looked down upon anymore in the army it's going it's going or in the military in general and, and how good is it that 
you get people moving into leadership positions like you and Mike and other people who've been through these traumatic experiences and have had treatment or they've seen people receive treatment. And it's like, this stuff really helps. Like people are really better. And how much better of a junior leader or a middle, medium leader, or senior leader you'd be having had that experience that you can direct people, your subordinates having a hard time. You can feed them in that path where you know that we just tap into this resource and this is going to be fine. And this is going to be something that makes you stronger in the future. You know, when you integrate this and yeah. deal with well, it. Yeah. When you talk about that too, it's, it's as a leader, I think, and, and it doesn't just have to be the military. It could be in your family or friends or anything. It's just being able to notice and, and see that something's wrong and be like, Hey, and just be there for them and, and, and point them in the right direction. I think. We're all speechless. So uh, it's a pretty impactful story you've got um, for us. You know, you've got a, a guy here who's got a whole lot of combat experience and a bunch of training that was almost perfect for the situation. You've steered civilians, women and uh, civilians to safety. And then you've moved into towards a threat unarmed, which is a fucking wild man to be doing that. And... Uh, you know, you've, you've been severely injured. You've been able to talk people through first aid applied to yourself. And then you've had to go through your own healing, physical and then your mental healing journey. And, and I, I want to highlight to people that you reached out, you found pathways for healing in all the different areas you needed it, and that you set goals. And that the first thing you said was frigging flight school still on when that tube came out. And... Having a goal, it always draws out the best of us. You know, and here's a guy, after being shot center of bloody body mass at two feet, he's now partway through or halfway through flight school. He's being streamed into a pache, as uh, you know, Raf said. And there's just like a whole nother chapter that's going to open after this. Um, you know, Warrior Games, accessing uh, the right kind of people, the right kind of support. We never know what's on the other side. So physical and mental healing is available to all of us if we're willing to do it. And those goals are what's going to draw out the best of us. Is there anything you wanted to, to leave our listeners with or is there any final comments you wanted to, to make there, Russ? Or any of the guys? Um, no, you know, I'm good. <laughs> Rangers lead the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> I also wanted to say that um, and I do this story is pretty extraordinary. I think anyone who's listening would agree, but I think it would have been like a hundred percent extraordinary if when you woke up from that, you know, unconsciousness in the hospital, if you actually drew like a dick with a rotor system on it to just send them <laughs> like, if you didn't do it with words, if you just did it with a picture, if you're like you do this big veiny triumphant thing with this rotor system, I oh, think that would have, I- like, that would have been like the, 100% the best story I've ever I've ever heard. <laughs> a, a running a running joke with me and, and my buddies is uh so when I was out they because I was under for 12 hours before I woke up and everyone's like what happened nobody knew what happened right so like their stories were just gone and and my buddies were like they're like <laughs> they're like no knowing me they're like like he just stood up and started saying the Ranger Creed and sprint to this guy <laughs> like never <laughs> 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 Thank you much. Uh, uh, 
Well, it's been an absolute uh, privilege for us and for our listeners to have you on. Um, you know, we've only got a chocolate soldier variant with um, Mike, so it's been great to have someone on who can lead the way for us. <laughs> lots of banter uh, downrange, but uh, I wish you all the best in the rest of your flying training. Uh, you know, I'm 22 years flying and absolutely lo- I love it still. And, uh, you know, I started in the Australian Army and I just wish you every, uh, every happiness with your future misses and uh, hopefully you, you uh, blaze a trail with the Apache community in the future, Russ. So thanks very much for coming on and to the rest of our community, everyone stay sharp, stay focused and uh, keep your eyes open when you're out for brunch. <laughs>